Hello and welcome to That One Case, the podcast where lawyers share stories of the cases that influenced their careers. My guest today is Roger E. Barton, managing partner at Barton LLP. Roger is a commercial litigator with over 30 years of experience, acts as general counsel for privately owned businesses and represents senior executives on compensation and severance matters. On today's show, Roger tells us the story of a business that came to him with a mountain of damages to pay and how, with some clever contract negotiation, he was able to eliminate the costs and secure compensation for his client. You know, th- this began, I think it was just after Christmas, the end of the year, mm-hmm. and I got a phone call from a client who had just lost a very significant motion in an arbitration. And the case it wasn't quite a bet the company case because the company would have survived, but it was very personal to the owner. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a relatively large company, over $200 million. And I, and I know the company for years. I know the owners for years. And, and the question I got was, do you do this kind of thing? I said, yeah, of course we do this kind of thing. Why did you use some other law firm that screwed it up uh, or at least got you to this point? So quickly they said, yeah, we should have hired you to begin with. Can you help us? Um, and that launched off into a two and a half year battle that turned out wow. pretty well. Most people probably know the whiteboards, it's called the smart boards that you see in classrooms and presentation mm-hmm. rooms or whatever. Our client was the um, third largest distributor in the world in, of the smart board, mostly in Australia. And sure. smart as a company started off as a privately held business. And the owners of Smart and the owners of our clients were personal friends, which is why this case was a very you know, personal, significant one to them. Um, and they, they had a business relationship for 25 years and they grew up together. They're, each company expanded and developed and so forth or where it was based on the combined efforts that, that they undertook. Uh, Smart went public and the founders of Smart stepped off the board and professional quote unquote management took over. Mm-hmm. and decided to reorganize their supply chain structure and mm-hmm. wanted our client to be no longer exclusive um, and other elements. And there was you know, a lot of disagreement over that. And it ultimately culminated where our client just said, you know, we're not going to buy any more inventory. We're not going to pay you for uh, additional inventory and smart countered back and said, you know, you owe us a lot of money. We're going to sue you and smart actually sued them. So it was a arbitration under the international rules of the ICDR. Our client was Australian, SMART was uh, from Calgary. The arbitration took place in Calgary. It was governed by the laws of Alberta. So they hired a firm up in Canada and arbitration, not to get too much in the weeds of it, but under the ICDR, um, there's no provision to have a motion, summary judgment motion or any other kind of dispositive motion along the way. The council, predecessor council, was faced with a request by the council for SMART uh, to have a motion for summary judgment. They opposed the request, but the arbitrator allowed it to go forward anyway. And our client lost the motion for summary judgment, which in effect granted most of SMART's claims, resulted in, I think, three to $5 million um, of damages against our client interest accruing at 18% per month. And uh, one, I think, counterclaim left to be arbitrated. And that's when we got hired. Um, So immediately, you know, we looked at the case, like we were saying earlier, looked at all the pieces, looked at all the facts, looked at what we could do. 
and threw out most of what was argued initially and we made a motion it was granted to replead the counterclaims right. so we replied the counterclaims and added a claim for the breach of what we call in the united states good faith and fair dealing okay. um, in calgary and alberta sorry uh, they had just had a case decided uh, called with the principle of um, honest dealing uh, similar to good faith and fair dealing. It was, it was on, honest performance in the contract is what it was called. Mm -hmm. uh, so we used that legal theory and said that SMART didn't act in, in accordance with that requirement um, and in fact damaged our client and that the not only should we not have to pay anything, but we should be able to recover damages. Uh, so we held a hearing on our counterclaims and basically got all the factual evidence in that was not Part of the record to begin with mm. of what we consider to be the bad acts of smart unfortunately the arbitrator ruled against us which was not unexpected because there was already the pre-existing summary judgment decision mm -hmm. and to rule in our favor would have required the arbitrator to undo his prior ruling got it yeah he wasn't going to do that fortunately the the contract between the parties provided for an appeal to a three member panel of arbitrators if the uh, mountain controversy exceeded $750,000. Okay. And this obviously did. So the appeal, the process in under the ICDR allows for a complete de novo, complete from the beginning review of all the evidence in the case. So we basically were able to try our case to the appellate tribunal. And so all of the testimony that, that we brought in, which was some pretty damaging testimony. Smart representative admitted that they diverted sales away from our client um, and they tried to undermine our client. Mm -hmm. uh, all of that came in and ultimately the, the tribunal found that indeed Smart uh, did violate the duty of honest performance and found in favor of our client, required Smart to take back all of its inventory, required Smart to pay our client for the damages. And so what was a $5 million negative became a $5 million positive for the client. Amazing. Uh, I, I'm interested, first of all, this is probably um, obvious to, to everybody listening, but for me, it's just, it's interesting. Do you deal with sort of international clients in this way uh, often? And how is it working with, because the time difference is, is a huge pain. Yeah, the phone calls were definitely at, at unusual hours. Um, the principal of our client doesn't sleep, so that's okay. So it was easier, <laughs> easier on me than it was on her. Uh, yeah, I, about 25% of our practice is international, and we do a lot of arbitration. So international arbitration is definitely a, a good piece of it. Yeah. Uh, and that, must add, that must add a different dynamic to the whole. A absolutely, because, you know, you're, you're dealing, um, you know, with different laws across the world. Mm. Um, you know, there are certain usual hubs, you know, New York law is chosen frequently, sure. law of the UK, um, and so forth. Um, so the substantive law sometimes has, a, has an issue like it did, you know, in our case in, in Canada, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes not. Um, but it's really interesting to deal with different cultures, mm -hmm. um, different mentalities around contracts. You know, in, in the US, you know, we take the position the contract needs to pretty much cover everything. Sure. Uh, other jurisdictions, you know, you're, you're in a code law environment 
and the contract is really just you know a brief recitation and you're relying on the underlying law right to fill the gaps so you know you need to understand all of that and, and yeah then, it's interesting especially in a case like this where so much personal there's so much emotion involved right because it is a kind of a personal thing yeah i mean this it's privately held business one but also the relationship was smart for 25 years was really based on trust between the owners of the two companies right. yeah and then you know when the company went public all of a sudden the contract that they had signed, you know, many, many years before never really thought about came out of the drawer mm. and smart said, you know, we have rights to appoint other distributors and you're not exclusive. Mm -hmm. And our client's position was, well, the contract might say that, but for decades we've been exclusive Sure. and we've operated in an environment where we trust that we will be exclusive. And we bought millions of dollars of inventory and put it in our warehouse to help you. Mm. Uh, with the expectation that you're going to support us and being able to sell it and mm. not undercut us. And they actively undercut their ability to, to sell that inventory so they could sell new inventory to the other distributors and boost right. their sales. So it became personal very fast. What an incredible turn of events for Roger's client. To be faced with a $5 million bill plus interest and then have the decision reversed must have been an amazing result for everybody. My thanks to Roger for sharing his story today. Uh, if you want to find out more about Roger and his firm, you can find all the links in the show notes over at thatonecase.com. And if you enjoyed the show, please do share it with someone you think would also find it interesting. I really would appreciate that. All the details on how to listen and subscribe are at thatonecase.com. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you again next time as Nicole C. Emmanuel tells us the story of that one case. <laughs>